Hi, I'm Daniel Budai, and this is the Ecom Show, a podcast where you can learn more about the world of high-performing e-commerce players and marketers. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. Let's grow your e-commerce business together. Thanks everyone who is uh, joining us today. I'm uh, here with uh, Matt Bird from the UK and um, in, in this Facebook live stream. And uh, this is also the next episode of our podcast, The Ecom Show. And uh, hey, Matt, it's it's great to have you here today. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, yeah, it's good, good to be here. So Matt has a uh, subscription-based uh, uh, fashion business in the UK. And it's still a kind of new company, so uh, it has a history of uh, 12 months. And uh, we met uh, through LinkedIn for the for the first time, and uh, we we jumped on the call a few weeks ago. And uh, I I was really interested in this business model. I, I I found it fascinating, and I really believe that subscription is the future of uh, e-commerce. So I just wanted to invite him to tell uh, everyone uh, more about his journey and and about his plans so matt uh, please um, let, let, let's start with with with, uh, with the idea itself how how did you come up with with this business model and and the whole idea the, the, the good thing about um, this business model is that I actually didn't come up with it um, oh. which is the good thing so I for the last seven years um, I've had a, I had a menswear business. Um, that was specializing in casual shirts and um, kind of very premium, um, yeah, casual shirts and, and uh, casual wear. So we did a few T-shirts and polos as well in that business. Um, but a lot of our customers um, were young professionals. They were wearing suits. They were going to work at banks, lawyers, solicitors, and they needed formal shirts for their kind of daily life. And... So with my old business, we always struggled to get those our customers to buy more than one shirt every six months, shall we say. And obviously that was quite frustrating. So then what, what I did is I, I went to 300 of those customers and said, what can I do that A, makes you come back to buy off us more than twice a year? Um, and what do we need to do to, to, to kind of make you a customer so what kind of price do you pay for a shirt where do you get it from how many do you buy what kind of colors do you wear what do you what do you wear a shirt for and over a period of a month shall we say i asked i kept asking my customers some more and more questions and they actually formed the answer base and told me what the problem was they were facing with their shirts and they actually suggested that it should be a subscription um oh. and this is why I said, you know, I didn't actually come up with it. My customers suggested to me what they wanted to see. Um, they were sharing the pain points within the market and, yeah, asked me to build something different and something new and something innovative and something that saved them from going shopping, essentially. So, yeah, that, that was about two years ago. Um, and so the concept was born about two years ago, but I didn't actually do anything with it until um, September or November no, September, October 2019. So we've been really alive for about 12 months. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's been, a, been an interesting ride. And, and, and what I did in those first months was I said to those customers that gave me feedback, 
I said, um, would you be prepared to sign up for this to trial it out? Can we count on you as a customer? And they said, yes. Um, and so what I actually ended up doing was saying, right, I've got these people who are already interested. Let's put this out to a wider network. So I just went onto my LinkedIn profile. Um, and at that point, I only had a logo and a basic Shopify website that could capture email addresses. Um, and it had a bit of a description about what this pro proposition was. And I went on LinkedIn, I said, here's the idea, here's what I'm going to build. I've got a load of feedback from some customers. Um, so here's the proposition. Uh, it's going to be £40 a month, but if you sign up now and help me out, I'll give it you for £20 per month. Mm -hmm. uh, and within three days, we had you know just over 750 people sign up to that email database, which kind of gave me an indication that there was a, uh, a wider need for this kind of service and there's a wider problem outside of the 300 customers that i'd already asked um and then yeah the week after that uh the 200 about 250 people converted then into paying customers so they either paid 60 pounds for three months in advance or they signed up for 20 pounds per month and yeah that's how we got going so they they gave me that first bit of money i went off and made the first round of stock and then, yeah, it kind of it got, it got going from there. Fully organically, right? Yeah, Did fully organically. Amazing. And you use LinkedIn only or Facebook? That was, that was it. it was just, just one LinkedIn post. Um, and that was wow. it. Yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah, I really like that uh, you, you collected uh, the, the data, the feedback from the people and uh, you came out with the subscription after because I, I can see like 90% like of uh, marketers and uh, entrepreneurs, they just come up with their own ideas and they try to validate them and it takes months and years. Um, well, it's no different for me. I, I did that first time around. When I first started my first business, that was totally it. I had my idea. Uh -huh. and it took me seven years to get to a decent enough space whereas second time around you ask the questions first and then you build on top of it and it's a lot a lot better way of doing it yeah yeah, yeah i totally agree especially young entrepreneurs they and they they tend to be stubborn which is yeah it's it's good but it's also bad because then you are less open to feedback yeah i think i think you, you have to go down you have to try it first though to then understand that Right, I yeah. can't be as stubborn. <laughs> like, there's there's yeah. areas to be stubborn in, but then there's also areas to be kind of totally uh, cool with taking a step back and slowing down and then going at it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. And uh, was your first business uh, a brick and mortar business or it was online as well? Yes, it was online. We, we It was predominantly online. We sold through a few other online retailers, um, but... I've never had a real desire to open a physical store uh -huh. um, and I've always wanted to be direct to consumer focused. So we did, we didn't have too many other channels there with that one either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, um, and, uh, what's happening now? So, um, how do you get uh, traffic to the website? Do you still use LinkedIn organically or maybe ads or, or, or what channels do you use to get? So it's, it's a mix really. So we've only just started really uh, looking at paid ads. Um, over the last 12 months, the 
the, the, the core kind of marketing channel that has worked for us has been word of mouth. So wow. a lot of customers have told other people and they've referred people into the site. Um, and I think, so once though the initial 250 people signed up, we had to close the website because we couldn't take on any more customers because we wouldn't have had enough stock to service any more customers. Yeah. So what we then replaced it with was like a referral site. So you could, you know, enter five, 10, 15, 50 email addresses of friends, colleagues, family, whoever you thought might be interested. Um, and from that, within three months, we had over 5,000 people in a email database. That's probably doubled now. So we're probably just under 10,000 people um, in an email database. Um, and so it's been quite organic. We haven't had to spend a lot of money just yet on paid media. Um, but what we are doing is, you know, putting our marketing money into product. So we'll go, we'll give um, new customers their first shirt for free. So rather than spend however, however many pounds trying to acquire them, we try and hit them once and then get them a free shirt and then this this shirt is really good it yeah. fits amazingly the fabric quality is great um and then they they kind of stay with us now our retention rate at, currently is, is is really really good so yeah it's it's very interesting our marketing is very interesting at the minute and we're still you know trying to figure out the best ways that we can mm -hmm. scale the, the customer base up but yeah so far so good bulk of it is word of mouth and customers being advocates and champions and i think that's the main thing about new brands and new companies as well is everyone wants to spend 30,000 pounds a month on Facebook ads, but there's a time and a place for it. You need to get your customer base right first, find your advocates, find your brand yeah. champion, and then spend your 30 grand a month on paid ads. Um, and so, yeah, we will see. Yeah, that's very interesting because um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still a young guy and, you know, I have friends in the e-commerce uh, space who are dropshippers and uh, they are uh, great at scaling mm -hmm. fast with Facebook ads, but they are terrible uh, with uh, customer experience. So yeah. they can scale up shit very quickly. It's an amazing platform, like 100%. It is an amazing platform. Um, but for us, it's not, it's not actually about how many customers we can get. It's about how long we can retain them for. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think the approach to it has to be a little bit different, but I can, yeah, I can imagine for your guys with drop shipping, Facebook ads is, is a dream. It's the way forward. Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm not a big fan. So I, I'm, I'm just coming from this, uh, space, you know, but, uh, mm. it's my past, let, let's say. So. Uh, now our clients are, are, are brands. We still mm -hmm. have a few dropshippers, but uh, yeah, I, I, I try to stay away from that, that area. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, yeah, they can scale up quickly, but the customer experience is not really good and shipping times are, are long. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you talk with the marketers or, or business people of, of big brands, they uh, will all tell you that it doesn't make sense to acquire a customer if they will never come back because yeah. that's like a spike in your revenue and then nothing happens you you just made a big spike and that's it so yeah. so um yeah customer retention is key 
And um, I'm curious, what are your thoughts or, or insights about uh, customer retention for an e-commerce business where there is no subscription versus where there is a subscription? Um, what are the differences, if we can see any? I'm sure we can see, but yeah. I think it varies with subscriptions, obviously um, a model that a lot more people are becoming a lot more comfortable with. Um, and so I think you will get a certain type of customer that will sign up for subscription, but what they want to see is probably something a lot different than what a guy that doesn't sign up for subscription is. Um, and so I think with subscription, especially, you need to offer, well, we need to offer flexibility, we need to offer transparency, we need to be efficient, we need to be quality-led, you know, you need to always have certain things in place that keep that customer there. You've got to be heavy on content, heavy on communication. Um, and it's not just about the products that you sell then, it's about how you deal with everything else. With a normal, traditional e-commerce brand, a good way to create retention is keep your products flowing as quickly as possible and have you know more items on site so you know if you come in month if you came to my store now you can buy something but then if you come back in six weeks there's always something new to buy uh -huh. um, and it's it's not being stale um so with my old business that was one of the issues is we couldn't turn stock around quick enough to even even if we wanted a customer to come back and uh be a customer of ours for 12 months we didn't have the stock availability or the design mm -hmm for them to even need to be here uh -huh. it's about i suppose keeping those products fresh keeping the drops frequent and you know not and i think being a bit more reactive as well so what we're seeing because we've got to balance the two right so we've got to do all the communication stuff you've got to do all the bits that people expect out of a subscription but then you also have to keep the products moving and fresh and creative and agile um, and so our model, we need, we're really trying to be reactive with our product set. So it's not like your traditional seasonal drop. We do, you know, maybe four drops per season. So uh -huh. there's always something for a customer to feel like, yeah, yeah, I'm subscribed to this. And I know I'm never going to run out of options to, to keep coming back for. So yeah, it's, it is, it is interesting. And like you said, there's, there's definitely benefits of both. Um, and it all depends what, what type of customer you want, I think at the end of the day. What would be the disadvantages? Who, so who are those e-commerce businesses uh, which shouldn't really apply a subscription? I don't know. I think it's hard to say, but there's always, there's always room for innovation within those businesses, isn't there, to create something that would require a subscription. So I don't think any, like there's, there's stuff now that didn't exist two years ago, like flowers on the subscription yeah <laughs> yeah yeah if you told me that three years ago like that is dumb but now <laughs> like that's a cool idea so i think the bet if you can if you can really kind of prove a benefit to a customer then happy days okay there's lots of there's lots of brands doing subscription now because they can see the upside so um i think it's on the the trainer brand the running shoe brand um they're doing a subscription now. So you never have to buy one of their 300 pound sets of trainers. You just pay 20 pounds a month and they just keep it, you know, that they, you have one pair for maybe three months and you send it back. Wow. And, get one pair. Yeah. and then they keep recycling those trainers to other customers that are doing the same thing then. But again, 
18 months ago, two years ago, if you said, oh, let's do a subscription for trainers, on the face of it, it sounds like it shouldn't, it shouldn't work. But because they're saying, oh, well, it's better sustainability-wise, you're always going to have a top-quality trainer, it's going to be, yeah. it's, it kind of makes sense. And so I don't think there's any real, there's no real business that, should, that couldn't do it. You just need to think of the angle and the, 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 yeah, yeah. the value add that it will create. So, yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And regarding uh, cash flow, what is your experience? It, it, it makes your cash flow as a business more stable. Yeah. Uh, if, if you can maintain a consistent churn rate and a consistent revenue uh, retention level, then yeah, it's, it's, it makes everything a lot more clear. Um, it probably saves you a lot of heartache as well you know when you've got a really good month and you go to a really really bad month yeah horrible whereas at least with subscription you can you can see hopefully you know this month and next if not longer um and so you can plan things a lot quicker um and more efficiently you can you know everything falls a lot better into place and it's it's less i wouldn't say it's fully you know um there's just a lot there's a, there's a lot less speculation i suppose with with subscription yeah yeah, yeah more uh, predictable i i i guess yeah yeah it, the data isn't it and you can just really like you can map it out and like some things we're doing now is we know kind of what our churn level is so we know how much we should be spending on topping that churn level back up to a number that is consistent rather than every month going oh I need to get a thousand customers. Yeah. So we, you just can kind of see it in a bit more linear type vision, I suppose. Yeah. And, and on the first day of the month, you, you start from scratch again, like every month we need to get that number of customers and yeah, yeah. it's chase. Um, it yeah. you, you can really make your cash work for you then as well. Like you can, the way you set up your payment cycles, the way you set up your, your, you know, your outgoing cycles, you can really make it, you know, a nice, a nice experience rather than one way or kind of nervous that you can't pay rent and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Matt, last time you, you mentioned that, um, you got an investment into the company and, um, I'm not sure how much you can share about it, but, uh, if you can, uh, please, um, tell us more about how it works and how somebody who, who just starts out in e-commerce, uh, a business how they can get access to any kind of investment yeah so the, the investment um so ever since i started my first business um eight years ago in e-commerce i was all i've always been looking for investment i've always been looking for that someone who can come on board who could provide cash but expertise and connections to help me grow a business yeah. the thing that the thing that was holding us back was you know lack of differentiator from other high street main um brands yeah. and the irregularity of purchase of the, the, the peaks and troughs of sales investors don't like that um and it was it was just a bit of a a hard business to back because you've got to sit on a lot of inventory you've got to lock up a lot of marketing costs and there's a lot of speculation with 
you know, what, how these months are going to perform. Whereas this investment journey into this business was really, really different. So I was only probably two months into trading um, with this new business. And I was very, very vocal about what we were doing, how we were progressing on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, and again, there was another post, I think, I think what I'd done, so obviously I put it on LinkedIn that I was looking for 700, um, I was looking for people to sign up, got 750, documented that. And then I documented the fact that we'd ordered stock and blah, blah, blah. And then I documented the fact that we'd shipped all these shirts out to these new customers. And it was just a picture of me with a load of box, surrounded by boxes and Royal Mail delivery bags. Uh -huh. And I just posted it on LinkedIn. But because I'd been really transparent and vocal about the journey from the start, that post where I said, finally, we've shipped these products out, went a bit crazy. And I think that post had about 40,000 views of it on LinkedIn. Wow. Off the back of it, two really kind of high profile, well-known angel investors in my area in, in England reached out to me at the same time and said, really like what you're doing really want to get involved. Um, and so this, this one investor met me three days after he messaged me and he kind of said, you know, what's the plan? Where's the vision? What do you want to achieve? Um, asked me a few more questions about, you know, the, the intricacies of the business. But after about 20 minutes, he said, right, here's what I'll do. And he offered a six figure sum, you know, there and then after 20 minutes of speaking to me, um, and yeah, it was all about at that point because I I'd had I had a clear vision, I had a clear idea of the stages of growth of the business, the areas that we wanted to focus on, and the capital that it required to get to those certain milestones. And I think looking back now, because I had a sight of the, that first eighteen months of my business, this business career, he could really buy into that vision as well. And so I think if anyone's looking for funding, I think that's probably the most crucial thing that you need to nail down is like, what do you actually want to achieve and what do you think you can achieve with a bit of capital? Mm -hmm. Rather than just saying, we want more stock and we want to do more marketing. Yeah, Everybody wants to do more marketing, but it's like, what does that marketing achieve? Then what do you do after that? And then after that, and then after that? Because from his point of view, if he didn't feel like he could make money, in three years, he wouldn't have put, he wouldn't have invested any money. So it's, it's making an getting an investor excited and showing them where you want to take the business to, I think, um, mm -hmm. probably the fundamentals to it and everything else can be worked out along the way. Amazing story. Um, do you think enthusiasm and being passionate can replace, um, experience? So, this you already had a business before and I, I think it helps you a lot to make better plans but what happens if there is a young guy I'm super passionate about this I have maybe great engagement on social media but I have no idea how I will make it in the next three years to the goal where I want to yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's a good point I, it, it all, I think it all depends who you speak to and what you're trying to achieve because at the stage that I raised money and at the stage most people will raise money, like that pre-seed type stage of investing, 
It is all about the passion, the drive, the enthusiasm of the founders. Uh-huh. It's actually about the business model or the, the revenue numbers. What uh-huh. I do think helps, though, is having a clear <clears throat> insight of the market, how you expect to compete in the market, and how you're going to you know, achieve success within the market. It's just having an, a knowledge of that backed up with passion and enthusiasm because, you know, I could be the most enthusiastic guy in the world, but if I don't know anything about shirt market, it's, it's a risk. Yep. It's going to be a risky business. So it's balance, balancing the both, but 100% early stage investors, you know, definitely buy into that that vision and the founder and the excitement and the passion and the enthusiasm that they show for it. Um, they're fully aware that there's a hell of a lot to work out. Um, so you just need to demonstrate that you're not, you know, you, you, you're going to focus on making that money work for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, okay, I I get that. Um, so it's a very common question in the startup world, and I will ask you this. So is there such a thing as too much money raised or raise as much as you can and... So I have, I have two. Um, yeah, I think there is definitely there is uh, a definite thing of too much money raised too early, because mm-hmm. I think especially if you are overly um, enthusiastic, passionate, ambitious, you can sometimes, and I'm saying I've been guilty of it in the past. You can sometimes over you sometimes miss the fundamentals that, that the business needs, right? So if someone came to me um, after two months of me being in business and said, have $5 million, I'm not sure I would have spent that in the way that adds the most value to the business because nothing really matters too much because I've got good cash. I can spend a hundred grand on an app and if it doesn't work, I've still got 4.9 million left and it's, I think you view things a little bit. You probably hire 30 staff, but you might not need 30 staff. Yeah. Um, so I definitely feel that you should only raise what you kind of need to get to a certain point and then maybe a little bit of a buffer to, to get uh-huh. you through maybe three months if it doesn't all go to plan. Um, but yeah, definitely. I, and I think until you get to a stage where you've proved your concept, you've had early kind of traction within the market and you've got early revenue, You should be as tight as possible with that fundraise anyway. And then once you get to a point where it's growth and it's scale and it's more venture capital, then, you know, you probably can go a little bit bigger on the raise because you can say you, you have more metrics then as well. You say, right, a million dollars does this. Five million could probably do this. Ten million dollars could let us do this. But especially at a pre-seed level, you don't know any of that stuff yet. Um yeah. Also, at the same time, you don't want to sell too much equity on that first fundraise. Yeah. You, if, 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 if I'm really rich and you, you're giving me an idea and you want $5 million and I then take 45% of your business, you've got nowhere really to go on that next fundraise. Yeah, so that's right. You've got to balance it out. And not every business is the same. Like, I appreciate that tech businesses and if you're building software, it's you need more cash. So... Yeah it might be a case of if you've got a really kind of solid software business that could benefit from $10 million in pre-seed cash, then can go for it. But, you know, ours didn't need it. So we just kept it, kept it quite, quite real. 
Um, and I'll come to the point when we've proved concept and gained the traction, when we will go a little bit more, kind of uh, raise as much as we can and go as fast as we can, but we'll know how to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Yeah, E-commerce is different than tech. Um, yeah, and um, I, I, I so, <clears throat> you know, I follow the startup world and I can see that the tech companies, they get a lot of uh, funds from and then investments. And probably the second would be e-commerce, where I can see uh, that a lot of you know money is is uh, is around, um, but but significantly less than in tech. Um, yeah, um, it's tricky. Tech, tech, the, yeah. the the upsides of tech outweigh the upsides of e-com most of the time. So investors, like with tech, for for argument's sake, you can probably get massive valuation multiples. Whereas e-commerce probably a little bit less, and so investors are more inclined to put more behind tech businesses because of the upside and the valuation metric is mm -hmm. a lot higher. But yeah. some, but nine out of ten times those tech businesses still fail anyway. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And e-coms a lot more of a I think a better investment than software. So yeah, and I think more stable and it's easier to build a small seven eight figure brand than. Mm. Uh, than in tech um there it's more like um winners take all kind of mentality um, yeah and it's 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 growth at any cost there as well it's it's never revenue it's never it's all user-based it's all cash burn it's all yeah, yeah. like it's just a different business model and it's not really yeah. one that one thing i could live with either yeah 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 um what are your biggest challenges now uh, these days we are in q4 just before black friday and and the holidays um i'm curious well the biggest challenges uh currently are you know probably in line with everything that's going on in the world and 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 kind of convincing people that they're all, it's all right to part ways with a little bit of money to get a, a certain product um there's a lot of uncertainty with um sp you know spending as such so it's it's being able to get the message across that this is the right thing for a consumer to do because you know, e-commerce in particular over the last couple of months has skyrocketed. Yeah. Um, there's a lot more trust in it now. So it is just education of customers. And this, our model isn't necessarily something that is um, common within fashion or menswear. So we find there's a lot of kind of knowledge share that we need to do. There's a lot of education around the model, mm -hmm. there's a lot of explaining to do about why this service is great, how it actually works, what we expect you know you to do mm -hmm. every month and what you should expect from us um yep. and so it is just the storytelling side of it and getting it into the right getting it in front of the right eyes um you know the right information in front of the right eyes is is, is tricky but i suppose yeah. it's tricky for everyone isn't it um yeah 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 and, and for us it is it's product as well it's, it's making sure we can keep up with lead times and make make the product work in line with the business model so they are fun challenges <laughs> Yeah, I can see that you are really enjoying those. So that's the main thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thrilling. <laughs> um, my last question to you. So um, what advice, what piece of advice would you give to other e-commerce business owners in the seven, six, seven figure range um, in annual revenue? What should they focus on during Q4 next year? Um, if they have a subscription business, any any good tip is welcome. 
Yeah, I, 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 I think the key for me and what I would say is um, and what we're tr trying not to do is just get too kind of blindsided by like revenue and the nice numbers, but it's, it's, it's increasing the lifetime value of the customer and the actual value add that you're giving to the customer as well. Um, and so, you know, seven figure businesses, they've obviously got something right, but they're doing seven figures, but you know, how long are those customers staying? How long are they going to, is that seven figures going to turn into 14? Um, is that seven figures going to turn into eight figures um, next year because they've kept the customer base? I think especially now looking after your customers is probably a lot more important than anything else. Um, and so, yeah, I suppose, but it's never, never stop listening as well. So what we try and do is be really opening open with our customers every now and then every probably once a quarter, we'll ask them for feedback about everything about the business from comms to packaging to shirt selection to fabric choice mm -hmm. and always kind of, adapting to the feedback that comes in so we stay relevant because what we, we both know that brands can come and go in a blink of an eye like you can be a really good brand one minute and in the next you're nowhere to be seen because you haven't listened to what your customer actually wants you haven't listened to the feedback and you haven't followed kind of the trend as it is and you've just kind of stuck to what you think they want and then your next thing you know your seven figure business goes to a, a four figure business uh, because you just haven't haven't kept up so i think always listen always try and stay as agile as possible um and yeah just keep, just keep adapting i suppose yeah 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 i i, I feel like uh, this subscription uh, model changed uh, your mindset as well a bit so you started focusing on ltv li lifetime value more than revenue right do i feel it well um there was a shift or 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 you've been very conscious about this. Like, like I said to you, like and you said as well, like I have, my old customers would maybe buy from me twice a year. Yeah. There's no, that's no benefit to anybody. I could have 10,000 customers buying from me in January and then August. Yeah. I'd rather have, you know, 3,000 customers buying from me every month. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it has shifted. I'd rather have a customer that's loyal consistent and really bought in and someone that's just kind of here because they couldn't find anything else. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I've definitely shifted it from, you know, there's, but there's so much value in having loyal customers as well, probably more so than higher levels of revenue. Like they, they re revenue, what they say, revenue is vanity and kind of profit is sanity. And it's the same kind of thing. You could make them, you know, load of money over a year but if they're only one-time purchases it's not really valuable whereas if you've got a loyal customer base that's been with you for 12 24 36 months the value in that is incredible yeah yeah, yeah i totally agree yeah. um so yeah solid solid recommendations um thank you matt uh, no for sharing these um if anyone wants to find you or your business where they can find you. Yeah, so the website is theshirtsociety.co.uk um, or you can search for the Shirt Society underscore on Instagram um, and Twitter. Or if you want to reach out to me, my handle on Instagram is underscore Matt Bird or connect me on LinkedIn and I'm, I'll be happy to have a chat. Yeah, we will 
put the link of, of these uh, profiles below the description of our podcast. Perfect. And um, yeah, Matt, thanks again for joining us today. And thanks uh, to everyone um, for listening to us today. And uh, uh, stay tuned because every Thursday we are coming out with a new podcast episode and we are having one live stream um, every week on Facebook and on LinkedIn soon as well. Um, so thanks everyone and stay tuned. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Ecom Show podcast. If you want to learn more about e-commerce, retention marketing, check out our Facebook group called Top 3% E-commerce Email Marketing or check out our website, thebudaimedia.com. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. See you in our next episode and don't forget our goal. Grow your e-commerce business together.